Welcome to the Career Medis Podcast. I am your host, Nisar Ahmed. This is episode 62 of the Career Medis Podcast. And this episode is part of the A Day in the Life of series. Uh, in each of these episodes, I, I conduct interviews with professionals, individuals from different career. Uh, the goal of these interviews is for us to learn a little bit about the ins and outs of that particular job, particular career, and also... Uh, we get an in-depth experience from someone who works in that profession. And for today's episode, I'm speaking with someone who is a mechanical engineer. Uh, his name is uh, Kieran Coleman. Uh, Kieran will be sharing his experience, how he got started in as a mechanical engineer, where he stands today, some of the things that he loves, some of the challenges, and also some advice for anyone getting into the career. So uh, let's uh, begin. Uh, hey, Kieran, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. Thank you, sir. So the, the question I always love love to start off uh, is uh, where are you based out of or where are you calling from? Uh, I'm in New Haven, Connecticut. New Haven, Connecticut. I believe I, I did have a guest from New Haven in the past, but uh, I'd like to ask you this. Could you share with us uh, a fun fact uh, or something about New Haven that a lot of people do not know unless they've lived there? Boy, okay. Well, I think most people would probably recognize New Haven for Yale. Yale University is located in New Haven. Uh -huh. uh, that's the easy one. Uh, another one is pizza. It's uh, quite famous for its pizza. And I think the one that it's least least known for is actually, I think, the home of the uh, where the hamburger was invented. Uh, there's a little luncheonette called Lou's Luncheonette that claims to be the originator of the hamburger. Really? That's yes. interesting. Yes. See, th that's why I love to ask those questions because I always <laughs> learn something new. Um, it's it's my way to, like, in case I visit New Haven or when I visit New Haven, I would like to be prepared. So that's, these are all great facts. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Sure. So now I'd like to get, in, get on with the interview. Uh, before we get started about and uh, learn more about mechanical engineering, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Kieran? I um, kind of entered the field of mechanical engineering probably the, the most nonlinear path to my career that I think uh, of all of my friends that I, I know. My initial, I think, entry into mechanical engineering was actually through, um, it, it was one of those moments I, I originally, I originally uh, dropped out of high school uh, and went to work part-time at a, um, uh, a laser manufacturer. This is this is in the 80s, right? So that kind of gives you a, a little bit of, of an idea of my age. I'm almost late 40s at this point. So I was in my teens, and I'm working as a part-time shipping clerk at this high-tech company that manufactured lasers. Um, and at the time, I had dropped out of high school because I was pretty bored, and I was pretty distractible, and I couldn't stay focused, and it just it, it wasn't wasn't the right environment for me. So I, I went to work um, and, and I found, I got this job and, and I think 
it was probably one of the one of the moments in my life where I, if, as I look back, I was very lucky, and that I, I kind of stumbled into this job, and and I was surrounded by all these people uh, doing all this neat stuff with technology, and, and I felt really like uh, excited to be in this environment, and I really wanted to be part of what these people were doing, so I became very curious. Uh, curious in a way that I, I never was in school, um, which is kind of one of the reasons why I left. Is I was I was bored and I was getting into a lot of trouble. So uh, for one reason or another, I, I don't know how on earth my parents signed up off on this, but I left school uh, and I got a job. And and again, um, I, I was lucky enough to stumble into this job. And again, I was a shipping clerk, right? In this in this tech this tech this emerging tech field at the time. And uh, I just was, all of a sudden, I was really curious. And I wanted to know more, and I wanted to do more. And I started, you know, asking around about jobs. And and uh, the time, this particular company said, well, you know, we'll, we'll uh, you know, we'll give you, you know, you can advance, but you need to get a, you need to get a diploma. You need to get your, your high school diploma. So, uh, I waited till I was 18. I went, took my GED, and I applied for another job, and and I and I got you know a small shift, but again they said, okay, well you you need to you need to really study to be in this field, and they offered to pay for part of my tuition at the time, and at the time it was a the there was a Votech uh, school. Uh, this is actually in Orlando, Florida. Uh, there was a Votech school that at the time in Central Florida. Uh, there was a lot of laser manufacturers in Orlando for a number of reasons. There was uh, people supporting Cape Canaveral. There was people, uh, laser light shows were really big. So there was companies supporting the Walt Disney, you know, Disney World uh, with their light shows. So there's a lot of the, the laser industry was in Central Florida. And it turned out that they were kind of dumped all this equipment on this Votech school that started this laser optics program. And um, I was able to enter that and, and kind of study in order to get, a, you know, get to the next level. What was interesting is I had no business being in that, in that class. I had no math skills. I had no electrical skills. Um, and somehow or another, and boy, you know, if there's a way to, to sweet talk professors these days, I mean, I would highly recommend it. But <laughs> um, <laughs> Somehow or another, I talked my way into this class, probably because the company I worked for had donated a lot of equipment. I can only imagine. Um, and, and my professor said to me, says, say exactly that. You've got no business being here. You've got no math you know, prerequisite. You've got no electrical prerequisites. But I'll admit you only if you maintain, a, you know, at the time, I think it was a B average. And, um, and I said, sure. And and, and, and and I think it kind of comes back to this. I was so curious and I so wanted to know that I was interested in learning. Um, and, 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 I, and I learned and I went and I figured out the stuff I didn't know. And I, I didn't know what a nanometer was, but I went and I figured out what that was. So I could do all the equations that were in my books. Um, and somehow or another, I maintained this average um, and I squeaked by and then um, uh, I got laid off. So, um, you know, it wasn't all for naught. It, it, it opened some doors for at some other companies. And then one thing led to another. And I moved to Connecticut and 
and they stayed in the, the laser field for a little while, and then eventually that industry kind of stalled for a while. And um, uh, it certainly at the time I was in Connecticut, and there wasn't a tremendous amount of industry, so you, you kind of pivot, right? You figure out, all right, what can I do? You know, I, I, I can figure things out. Uh, and that's what I did. And, and I went to work for um, uh, a screw machine shop that, that made, you know, round parts for, uh, you know, hose fittings and connectors. And it was a pretty, pretty kind of skilled trades job where you're working around these high speed machines. There's a lot of oil. There's cutting tools. It was uh, and I, I became a setup technician. And uh, again, I think. I feel like a lot of my a lot of my kind of my backstory is is sometimes luck, sometimes skill, sometimes being in the right place at the right time, and also being willing to stick up my hand and say I'll, I'll try that. And in this particular instance, this company was losing their engineer, and he did all all of their tooling design. and And the only time this has ever happened to me, where a manager came up to me and said, "I went through all the resumes of the people that work here." Never had that happen, but at this particular moment in time, it had happened. And uh, he said, "You know, you're, you're probably the only guy in this shop that could 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 take this job. Would you be interested in it? You know, be a tooling engineer designing in CAD and programming CNC machines." And this was probably early '90s, and I just said, "Sure." And um, so that was my entry into um, tooling design, and then and and wire EDM. We were we used a lot of wire EDM machines at the time, and again in the early '90s, there wasn't a lot of that technology in the market. So I took that on, and that that led to some other roles. I was able to. You know, I had a headhunter call me up one day and said, "You know, we've got the, this company uh, in New York. It's looking for." guys to program this equipment for us, you know, would you, would you be willing to do that? And it, it was the right fit at the right time. And, you know, one thing led to another. And I, I still really wanted to be in an engineering role where I was designing. And, and somehow or another, I talked myself into the engineering group uh, while doing, uh, while supporting this, you know, evolving wire EDM technology. And then um, uh, something called machine vision started to kind of, hit the, the manufacturing sector, probably late 90s. None of the engineers in the group that I was working for at the time wanted anything to do with it. And I kind of was one of those, I'll, I'll try it, sure. You know, that evolved in time into some automation because usually when there's uh, machine vision involved in manufacturing, there's a level of automation that accompanies it as well as some fixturing design and uh, stuff like that. And then working with other uh, groups uh, in the company, you know, whether it was the engineering group or the manufacturing group and the quality group to kind of manage, you know, implementation as well as quality uh, goals and throughput goals. And then, you know, that led again to another transition uh, to another company um, where uh, early 2000s, was a strip feed molder for reel to reel molding for the telecommunications industry, much more volume. They were looking for somebody to integrate machine vision and handle their automation. And then I kind of became this automation engineer. And then that led to, you know, uh, more and more opportunity. 
mind you, none of this was with an engineering degree, right? Um, it, it was one of these that, you know, a new technology emerged. Uh, there was uh, some track record um, uh, that I had had, but also a willingness to, to learn how to, you know, how to kind of, I guess, keep moving the ball forward. And then, um, you know, that, that again, uh, presented larger and larger opportunities and it became, uh, you know, more, I became, I started to become more recognized and more accomplished in uh, automation, machine automation, or high-speed manufacturing and automated inspection. And then I got restructured in 2007, and I say that with air quotes, um, which means essentially I got fired, laid off, restructured. There's many, many different terms I guess you wouldn't could use, um, but I was out of a job. Um, so I, I left that, that job in 2007, and uh, I, I, I promised myself I would not leave that parking lot until I made at least three phone calls. And um, one of those phone calls was to a supplier to look for a job. And then my next phone call was to a, a, another supplier, a vendor that I bought a lot of equipment from. And his question to me was, well, do you want, um, do you want a job or do you, do you want work? Do you want to go off on your own? And it kind of took me off guard, and I thought, you know, why not? Um, I said, yeah, I want work. And uh, that, uh, he, you know, produced some contacts and some, some relationships as a result of, of that one phone call that I have to this day, 10 years later. Uh, I, I, I freelanced for a number of years, and then I got picked up by... Um, a Fortune 500 company for a short, well, for three years. And then I left that role to go back off on my own uh, and start the company I have today, uh, Coleman DFM, which is, uh, we, we are a machine designer and we produce turnkey automation equipment for manufacturers, um, mostly around reliability testing and uh, some type of optical inspection at high, high speeds. So I don't know if that, that's pretty. It's pretty long-winded answer to your question. I actually like listening to that because uh, you hit the nail on the head when you use the word non-linear. One of the common themes in these interviews I've come across is uh, most of the individuals I've interviewed, they have had a non-linear career, and mm. it's exciting to hear because uh, I have an engineering degree, and it's something I don't talk about a lot because. Uh, for the last 10 years, I have not been working in engineering, but um, the traditional route is you finish, you get a degree, you get an internship, or you get some type of uh, job right out of college. What years you have demonstrated with your career that it doesn't have to be the case. Mm -hmm. you, you've done that through experience. So it's fascinating to listen to that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it certainly wasn't uh, the easiest path, but... Um... <laughs> Uh, it certainly has been rewarding. I, I certainly learned a ton. Let me take a step back, uh, Kieran, because I should have asked this question up front. So what exactly is a mechanical engineer? Engineering is a diverse field. There's a lot of different aspects. What, what, how would you describe a mechanical engineer? I'm sure I'm not going to give you the, the, the dictionary definition of mechanical engineer, but um, 
the, the way I look at it is uh, anything to do well so uh, let me let me explain how I work I actually I just hired a, an electrical engineer he does all of the logic all of the programming uh, all of the interfacing of uh, you know transducers and sensors and whatnot and I provide and I design all of the structural components all of the mechanical uh, you know, if there's a, a rotary component or a linear uh, component, um, I will, you know, I, I, I design uh, most of the uh, mechanical apparatus. So I guess my definition of a mechanical engineer is anything that has to do with mechanical interfacing um, or handling of a product. Uh, a good example is um, for us is we just designed a, a, a a system that inspects a, a water filter, let's say. So I will design all of the aspects of the machine as it relates to handling the physical product, uh, whereas an electrical engineer will uh, design or work with interfacing uh, all of the drives, transducers and sensors uh, to a centralized uh, computer, for lack of a better word, right, a programmable logic controller and does all of that design programming and interfacing where uh, the mechanical side is more, traditionally more physically moving product. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted the audience to understand a little bit because engineering is a wide field. Um, yes, so yeah. now, now I want to switch gears and learn a little bit more about the ins and outs. Um, what, are, what would your day-to-day -day look like today? Boy, so today, um, uh, my data is pretty pretty diverse, right? I mean, I think par partly because um, you know, being a business owner, there's there's many hats, right? And, and now that I, I've actually made uh, my first hire about two months ago, and that's really changed the way that I work daily. Um, but so a uh, day to day for me would be get up, uh, you know, get into the office, kind of do a, a quick. Um, view of, of where we're at with a particular project. Um, if there's anything that I need to be involved with, I usually try and get most of my work, uh, whether it's my work would typically revolve around the mechan you know, mechanical design or a mechanical feature that may or may not be working in a particular design. And uh, if that needs troubleshooting um, or you know, redesign or some type of uh, you know, analysis to get through a, a problem. Um, I usually try and get that most of that stuff done during the morning. I find my, most of my the best my best time is in the morning. Followed by uh, emails, uh, phone call, returning phone calls after lunch, and then if there's any you know, open issues with customers or, or meetings that I need to be at, I try and do those in the afternoon, uh, and then I'm back. Uh, before five, and kind of get a, a summary of where where we're at during the day, you know for, you know from early in the day if we were able to get through uh, what we wanted to get through during the day. Uh, if there's any open items for us to address in the morning or the next day, sometimes it involves me not going to the office. So uh, and, and quoting uh, that's that's an interesting that's been an interesting uh, place to to be trying to concept. So if, if you meet with a customer and they want you to provide a solution, 
um, right? They want you to code that solution. Uh, and oftentimes, they know what they want to have happen, but they don't know how to make it happen. And that's really where the majority of the problem gets solved in the, in the conceptualizing and coding phase, because that's where you know, you're going to build, you know, if you get the job, you're going to build uh, that solution off of what you've quoted, right? So uh-huh. that kind of requires, for me anyways, a good chunk of time of, of really being able to just kind of sit down and, and, and concept solutions. And oftentimes, you know, you spend 30 minutes kind of conceiving the solution and you, you get to a point where that solution really isn't valid because, oh my gosh, you know, the customer wanted this to happen in one and a half seconds. I can't do it that way. I get, you know, this will this will do it in three seconds. I need to do it twice as fast. So, and then you you back out of that solution and you, you kind of brainstorm some uh, a different path. And, you know, oftentimes uh, when I get stuck, quite frankly, I'll bring in my electrical engineer and, and we'll banter some ideas around, but but um, that's probably once once a week is is probably a, a good solid half day uh, doing uh, quoting, uh, you know, conceptualizing solutions for customers to right. If you quote it, you're saying you can do it, and 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 if if you actually get the job, you need to be able to do it, and also need to be able to do it and make money, right? You you can't you can't miss it. So uh-huh. it, it's a it's an interesting fine line to walk, right? Of what's the appropriate solution for the appropriate price, where I'm going to be able to put you know food on the table and also pay somebody else to do it too. So I don't know if again I don't know if that answers your question. I can you know when I was working at a desk when I had a day job and it, um, that the the day to day was a lot simpler, right? You know, you come into work, you sit down, you turn on your computer, you you go through your emails, you know, whatever you you've got for meetings during the day or during that week, you kind of you know they're already in queue, uh-huh. um, and it was a lot more. I don't want to say traditional because I mean that right. Traditional is changing every day, but um, there was there was a there was an assignment. There was a you know your job was to solve that and then and then uh, get it approved and then you get another you know assignment right. The ways that has worked best for me is often when right you're working in teams. I was working um, with a consumer products company and we were in I was in the quality engineering group and essentially we provided solutions to the development team. As these products were released from research into the market, they would they would come to us. We would essentially try to fail the product, and then we would design the solution to the failure, so it could get rolled into the product. So what got released to the market was robust, right? And that was that was really rewarding because you're working with with many teams with many and many teams, but many people from different teams, all with the same goal. You know, bringing that forward uh, into the, in, into my company, it's kind of the same thing, right? If, and right now, it's really simple. It's a mechanical guy, me, and an electrical guy, and my partner James, and uh, and the third party is is the customer, right? That kind of the open dialogue between all the parties to get to the solution that 
you know, the customer wants is, I think that's the hard part, right? The open, the open communication amongst the team. Uh-huh. So would you say that would be the biggest challenge of the job is, is communicating and getting meeting deadlines? Yeah. I, I mean, deadlines are, are tough, but they're not the toughest thing, right? Cause I think some of it's managing expectations, right? And, and also, right. Cause everybody wants something that's going to hit a home run every time, you know, or, or for instance, uh, I had one client that's like, we want to move this part at 10 parts a second. That's fast. 10 parts a second. That's really, really fast. And they had some some really high expectations on, on, on a couple of measurements on the product. And, and sometimes people are like, yeah, it can be done. And, and when you got somebody that's really convinced it can be done but it can't be done at that budget, right? So it's it's kind of managing the expectations on, on what the deliverables are. So the deadlines are, are generally fairly easy to hit um, because, because I've made a lot of mistakes, for one, right? And, and I guess I've had to really manage myself differently because I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do it. And then, you know, you, you go to, to cut steel, you know, you send stuff out to a fabricator and then, Oh, well, I didn't, you know, they closed down for the 4th of July or, you know, whatever, right? Or Thanksgiving to Christmas, you know, like, oh my gosh, I wasn't planning on that. I've in turn, it's required me to, when I uh, set up deliverables, I'm usually very specific around and, and, and try to be very realistic about what, what I can do with my time, what I can do with my supplier's time, and then communicating, right? If, if there's holidays in there, that's part of the schedule. Right? You just added a week to your 10-week lead time, right? So now it's 11 weeks because, oh, boy, you know, we're shut down between Christmas and New Year's. And, and maybe it's not me shut down. It's my vendors. But, you know, oftentimes the client doesn't want to hear that. They want to hear 10 weeks. We don't care about holidays. Well, you need to care about holidays. So I, I, I think it's so it's not as much managing the, the deadlines as much as managing expectations. Interesting. Um, so the now I want to switch gears from um, the day-to-day challenges to someone listening to this. They are attracted to the career of being a mechanical engineer. Um, I know you had a non-linear career path, but if someone were to ask you, "Hey, Kiran, I want to do what you're doing, or I want to build this career," what would you recommend? How does how do they get started? Boy, I would say um, get your foot in the door anywhere. And then learn. And it's, that's kind of what I did. I, I, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Um, and I spent a lot of time, uh, the companies that I got jobs with had their own in-house fabrication. So um, I could have, at the time, I was able to lean on you know, the guys that were actually cutting the steel and milling, you know, milling the blocks. And, you know, and I would often go to them and ask them, you know, explain to them, well, this is what I'm trying to do. Here's my design. Is my thinking right? Right. Uh, I, I, I would ask for help. I would be willing to listen and, and willing to learn and willing to, I guess, eat a little humble pie. Um, I can't tell you how many times I'd walk, walk in with a, you know, so excited about a design. Hey, look at this. And they'd be like, 
what on earth are you thinking? You can't do that with that. This is, you know, this is going to get away in the way of that. This is, you know, there's, so there's, there's all these other things that I'm unaware of that, again, all these other players that are in your kind of in your collective or in your team, there's usually so many additional points of input outside of yourself and not certainly outside of myself that it often pays to listen to other people's input because really at the, at the end of the day, oftentimes I feel like people already have, you know, even my clients, right? They already have the solution. They already know what they want to have happen. And, and it's my job to figure out how to, to get that to happen. Um, but I had to do a lot of listening and a lot of learning from from people that uh, have done it before me, had knowledge of the materials. So, I, I, I mean, I don't know, I'm probably getting off track. There's, there's so many things, right? It, it, but at the end of the day, it's get your foot in the door, listen, ask questions, and keep sticking your hand up. Yeah, that's definitely great advice. It's all about, it's about taking, initiative, being proactive. And I think that's the best way to learn, right? That's the best way to propel your career, no matter what you do. So mm. that's uh, definitely insightful advice there. Once someone gets started, Kieran, um, and what do you think, if they were to ask you, what does an ideal career path look like for a mechanical engineer? How would you describe that? Well, you know, I, I think you kind of hit the, the nail on the head with, you know, the, the traditional educational path, getting an internship with a company, the, the, the 500 that I was at kind of had that path, right? They would bring in interns over the summer from various universities that they had relationships with. And then um, some of those seniors would actually apply for jobs if they enjoyed the work. I mean, that's, that's one path. Uh, another path is um, if there's a field that's interesting to you, again, get your foot in the door. I mean, even if it's, you know, even if it's in the shipping department, right? You never know where it's going to take you. And just, you know, be willing to, to help, be willing to ask questions, and um, be willing to work hard. Okay, perfect. And uh, we are coming to the uh, towards the end of our interview. Before we conclude, any last words, any final advice you would like to give to our listeners? Take risks. Have fun. Learn. Well, I think one of the best pieces of advice I got was dare to fail. That's an amazing advice. Yeah. So, Kiran, thank you very much for joining. Thanks for sharing your journey. I always love to hear nonlinear career paths and also what happens day in and day out. And also you share some great advice for listeners as well. Uh, it was a pleasure having you as a guest. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, uh, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Career Medis podcast. Uh, as always, I write a brief summary of the episode along with uh, descriptions as, a, as in the form of a blog post, which you will find on careermedis.com. If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share the episode on your uh, among your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medis podcast. Thank you. Thank you.